June 27th, 1999, Big Daddy's $40 million at the box office ushered in the unearned sentimentality phase of Adam Sandler's career. Limp Bizkit's significant other sold over 600,000 albums in the first week. 600,000 people doing it all for the nookie and failing. After losing to the Spurs in five in the 1999 NBA Finals, Knicks fans didn't think it could get any worse. The next 20 years would prove otherwise. Meanwhile, in Greensboro, North Carolina, Steve Austin faced Vince and Shane McMahon for control of the company at the King of the Ring. What happens when you rip the balls off of a bull? This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I am your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello, hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to uh, be at. <laughs> happy to happy be. Happy to be on the podcast. <laughs> happy. This ha- is what happens happy. when I start drinking uh, a, a hard seltzer again. I'm not ready for this shit. <laughs> Happy to be on the podcast with episodes as long as it takes us to record an episode for the podcast. That got meta for that one. Happy to be on the podcast with episodes as long as all of the Swedish chef clips tied together. <laughs> Happy to be on the podcast where we're no longer like overshadowed by the power of death. I mean, oh my god! I mean, so for happy. now. Who knows? Who knows knows how the rest of this year is going to go? But right, it's wrestling. You know that it's wrestling, and it's 2020. So there's always a chance. Yeah, we always we always have like the specter of death hovering somewhere. Let's uh, let's bask in in a little bit of uh, a little bit more nostalgia before we go on. The same day as Limp Bizkit's significant other came out, Christina Aguilera released the single "Genie in a Bottle." Cultural reset. The The number one song was Jennifer Lopez's If You Had My Love. Classic. Wow. Yeah. But, but for me more, the number two song, do you guys remember Pearl Jam's Last Kiss? Not until I was reviewing this yeah. Google Doc earlier, and then it all came <laughs> flooding back to me, and I was like, fuck, that song ruled. And I started like, you know, I mean, did it rule? I don't know, but I definitely st- channeled my like inner Eddie Vedder goat voice uh, and sang myself. Wasn't that like... What wasn't that like a was it a cover it of was. like a yeah yeah it was like a cover of like an old like ro- an old rock and roll song an like old from like 60s, the big bopper or yeah nineteen sixty one song by I looked it up earlier and I've already forgotten but it wasn't like anyone like big um that song replaced fastballs the way as the song that always woke me up with my clock radio every morning. Wow, and on so purpose I, or because it was well, on the radio so much? Because it was always, <laughs> it seemed to always be on the radio at the okay. time that my uh, th- that my alarm tuned to WHFS would uh, would come out. Okay, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. I, I like that song, but you know, the it got played a lot, yeah. and I think uh, just just as the same with with uh, the way I I eventually came to not want to hear it anymore. If I'm gonna hear mournful Pearl Jam, I want to hear Yellow Leadbetter. Oh well, yeah. The yellow Leadbetter is amazing. I want to hear that all the time. I want to do it at karaoke sometime, except nobody actually knows the words to it. 
Uh, speaking of of karaoke, that's really the the main way that I know Genie in a Bottle because <laughs> it always would come on in a karaoke room or or like at a karaoke bar, and you always I would always hear that beginning and just be like, what what is this song? And then somebody would like completely mangle the words. Like it, I think Genie in the in a Bottle is like one of those like songs that just is this. It's like a like in a karaoke room. There's always that one song that you hear a lot where the person's not showing up in time to sing it. Mm-hmm. And like, they're just like, they're like, where is he? Where, where is, uh, where's Aaron? Is he coming? And it's like, it's always for Genie in a Bottle. You know what I mean? Like somebody's always abandoned Genie in a Bottle on the karaoke machine. I think Aguilera is just basically a bold move in karaoke. So it's probably like, this song is fun. And you're like, oh shit, yes. I'm not, I'm not going to get up there and sing Christina Aguilera. Except Genie and she hadn't quit like like hit full like diva mode with Genie in a Bottle, did she? Yeah, she, well, she all, it, I mean, she always could sing because I think the Mulan, the original animated Mulan song was before Genie in a Bottle. Uh, okay, and then I think this was. You're right; it doesn't have as much like belting in it. Yeah, definitely her most uh, easy to sing along to, accessible. Probably. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's very it's got a very like. Uh, you know, early Jennifer Lopez, Britney Spears type of vibe mm-hmm. to it. It's just kind of like, you know, it sounds nice, but it doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't really like show off the way she does in like Lady Marmalade or whatever. Yeah, the song is more. Coo- right. It's like more cooing, less singing. Yeah. And you could get any of these songs that you wanted illegally because Napster debuted on June 1st of 1999. And so I want to know, oh, man. do you guys remember the first song that you downloaded illegally on Napster? Yes. The first? Okay, Bobby, what's yours? Silverchair and a song. Wow. You know how I know I remember that? Because then I remember playing that MP3 on Winamp. Uh, with the visualizer ah. that had like you know what I mean it was like very 90s oh, like yeah. a metallic oh, yeah. goop yeah. and it would be the mm-hmm. I, I could see clear as day like the font the, the spinning vapor wave sort of like 3D font um, that said silver chair and a song on mp3 I can see it clear as day that's the definitely the first one for sure the Limp Bizkit Faith was definitely like in the mix um, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen was the first song that I downloaded Really? How did you know that? Took, did you just remember? It took me four days to get it <laughs> because it was through dial-up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, afterwards, I listened to the shit out of that and the other five songs that I managed to download before my mom was like, what the shit? We can't just like be running the internet all the time. Uh, well, that, that, makes, that answers my question of how you know because it was like an event, four days to do it. Mm-hmm. Um. I think if I I don't know for sure. I think if I checked my hard drives in my desk right now, I'd probably find it. I can just sort by date and just because I still have all of my old MP3s. Um, it was it was probably like uh, like a something that was labeled as Radiohead covering REM, but it actually was not Radiohead. You know, or like or Radiohead covering Pink Floyd. You know, like they always there always were those like. Uh, definitely fake, like labels, kind of like a like how they do celebrity fake nudes, yeah. but with uh, music. The uh, like System of Down doing the Legend of Zelda song, or uh, <laughs> or what was the other one? Who did? Uh, who was labeled for Snoop Dogg's Gin and Juice cover? 
It was like Guster or a, or a band like Guster. Hmm. Ben Folds 5, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no. Oh, shit. I was obsessed. Ben, ben Folds would actually do it, I think. I was obsessed with Ben Folds 5. Um, my senior quote was a Ben Folds 5 quote. Oh, boy. What what was it? Um, and I swore I was listening, but I started drifting around the part about me acting my age. So it's not she's a brick and I'm drowning slowly. <laughs> no, but I, I have a friend who goes to parties and waits until like the party's in full swing and then just goes and 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 programs in for brick to be the next song that comes up and everyone hears it and then it's there's like a beat and then there's everyone kind of like looking around at each other and it's the funniest thing in the world i um i do a twofer where i'll put in um the freshman and i'll put in brick which is like the it's the abortion twofer i was Uh, i was drunk in nashville and natalie and i went to a bar where uh pe- where people were playing live music as they tend to do in Nashville and someone started playing uh the verb pipe the freshman and i screamed out sing all the abortion songs <laughs> so just to go through the albums released in june bleak 182 enema of the state ja rule veni vidi vici smash mouth is astro lounge Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. Would you believe that I was a big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan? Surprise. Uh, huge surprise. I actually, I, I wouldn't say I was a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, but I did really like the Californication album. I did have that album. Do it all, I really liked it a lot. Not just the singles, I liked but like ev- everything on it for some reason. I was like very into it. I liked every album except that. That was the, that was the album where I started hating them, actually. <laughs> Really, it wasn't uh, not one not hot to be minute. contrary. <laughs> What's that? It wasn't one hot minute. No, I actually kind of liked one hot minute. Like it's my aeroplane. I don't know, Dave Navarro. He hosts Ink Master. He's great. I mean, I was twelve, so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've my taste also very yeah. sophisticated. <laughs> when I was in ninth grade, uh, I had a little bit better taste. Yeah. Uh, we also had Santana Supernatural, which was the album that replaced Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill as the the album of like the young parent that your babysitting for always has in their um, in their CD rotation. Uh, I, I that speaking of songs that were on all of the time, that song he did with Rob Thomas. Yeah, that's, holy shit! Yeah, probably one of that, my least favorite songs of all mm-hmm. time. Oh, it's so bad. The White Stripes and Slipknot's self-titled debuts. Uh, Weird Al running with scissors. And then two albums that are still two of my favorite to this day. Seeger Ross's Egedis Björnen, or whatever the heck, I don't know. And The Flaming Lips, The Soft Bulletin, all came out June 1999. Yeah, Flaming Lips is good, uh, and I, I don't I don't know this Seeger Ross's like albums by name, but I remember listen i i think i did i uh discovered secret ross much later uh and i was like oh this is great i don't understand anything they're saying but it's great exactly and then finally um we we had our list of canceled tv shows last month but uh the final episode of the nanny happened during june of 1999 i gotta tell you the parents finally came home (laughs) 
I have recently uh, caught, I guess they were like showing a bunch of episodes on like Logo or like Hallmark Channel, like a random cable channel that I like found on like The Guide. And I was like, I'd watch The Nanny for a little bit. It was like a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I could see you I at five. I could see you at 530 in the morning, smoking your morning spliff and catching some of The Nanny. Oh, for, oh, for sure. Oh, that's the kind of thing that would happen. Uh, but in this case, it was the afternoon, uh, afternoon, having my afternoon spliff. And, uh, but they hold up. I gotta say, they they uh, they they hold up pretty well. The the writing is pretty sharp, and like it's a pretty good sitcom. I enjoyed it. By the way, by the way, uh, having my afternoon spliff and catching some of the nanny sounds like something that like Brad Pitt did at one point when he was married <laughs> to Angelina Jolie. Um, I have a I have a, a somebody I went to high school with a friend of oh, you know a friend I was friends with her at one point um, was on the nanny. She played the young version of the nanny. Huh about that yeah she was uh, she's on she's on um uh glow right now she's um she plays like the one who's like uh really into like coke and she was on american idol too right? mark maron the... yeah she was on american idol yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what'd you say i said mark maron she was also on mark maron that's right i was i was saying that she, you, you the girl oh. you went to high school with who plays someone who's really into coke was mark maron Oh, I was gonna say she was on she was on uh, on WTF also. Oh, cool. On Raw though, in the lead up, uh, one of the things that we're seeing now with the um, we've gone into very 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 deep detail on what's going on with the Ministry, but that's kind of starting to run its course. And Raw had a lot of things that did not even get touched on really on this show. Uh, GDTV, later GTV, gives us backstage antics like Mark Henry pooping and Mr. Ass getting his ass shaved. We'll get into... What does GTV stand for? We're going to get to that later on tonight. Um, Oh, okay. Beaver Cleavage refuses to finish a promo and walks out. Draws and Prince Albert both vomit on screen. Val Venus handcuffs Prince Albert to the ring ropes and tattoos his ass. Triple H put Mankind out of commission in a hardcore match. Ivory took the women's championship off of Deborah, and Jeff Jarrett took the IC title off of the Godfather. So lots of things happening on the way to this. Now, 40 minutes into the program, we can start talking about the 1999 King of the Ring tournament, June 27th from the Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, just you know, you said there are a lot of things happening, and I think that's true, but also like very literally, there are a lot of just like things happening. It feels like, and this pay per view really mm-hmm. felt like just like a bunch of things happening. You mean that like yeah. like not a lot of stuff planned out, just like things that just kind of happen without any Ran- real rhyme or reason. I mean, everything was like gaga and crazy and whatever, but also just like it just felt like I was watching a, a, as if like the second hour of Raw was the full show. You know what I mean? Because it was just so mm-hmm. much like it, this was like a lot of mid card uh stuff so it just felt like a lot of stuff and in a way Mm -hmm. that i wasn't as um i wasn't as like uh thrilled through the course of it like i've been in the last couple pay-per-views we've talked about no there are definitely some highs here but overall um yeah uh but Uh, you you might say in a way the intro mirrored uh (laughs) what happened in the show because That was just a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know why they kept going back to Jesse Jackson, but they did. <laughs> what it was, the, I, I, I mean, obviously, I was like watching. This, I was like, wait a minute, is it me or is it that? Like, this seems like this makes no sense whatsoever. And 
my notes just say nonsense. It just says nonsense, nonsense. Jesse Jackson is Austin. Nixon is Vince McMahon. I'm like very confused by the 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 thread here. It just felt like uh, Vince Russo did a line of coke and then just like dictated that like on one typewriter scroll like Jack Kerouac on the road. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we got like footage of like uh, of like Russia like marching or maybe the Nazis. It it's always possible whenever you see marching that it's Nazis. Um, and then there's yeah jesse jackson richard nixon uh and then they they did this thing with john f kennedy where they were saying ask not what you can do for your company and i was like wow that's clever uh that's like none of it makes any sense like when you did happy birthday mr podcast (laughs) yeah yes except it made more sense when i did it Like, ask not what your com- what you can do for your company, ask or ask not what your company can do for you. Ask what you can do for your company. I don't even know what that means. Whose company is that? Do you mean like, like Vince's own company, or now it's Austin's company? I don't know. What about the uh, the CGI dominoes? I miss those. This was the the King of the them. Ring in- intro showed a line of dominoes falling over and then it would cu- cut to the next row and then they would just start falling over. You, you got to connect those, bro. Otherwise they're just going to stay there. <laughs> do you think, do you think the animator was like, look, we, we have to build it so that it connects. And they're like, no man, just, just animate it. So that the next one falls. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, and anyone else think it was weird that King of the ring was K O R. Yes. Okay. Yes. So not just like, like I spent, huh too much time thinking about that because i feel like it's usually k-o-t-r right uh, and because if you're gonna like leave off the the like hey the ar- articles don't get their own letter then why does the o get a letter then it's just k-r right <laughs> should be k-r mm-hmm. i'm glad that we're all or on the king same of page. ring yeah um so a lot happened apparently on sunday night heat when we uh we entered the story in media race um, Steve Blackman has beaten the shit out of Ken Shamrock with a kendo stick so much that he just has comical amounts of blood coming out of his mouth <laughs> from a kendo stick attack. Did did Ken Shamrock touch him at the uh, airport? <laughs> was he was he touching him by the by the uh, oh. <laughs> the luggage the luggage uh, carousel? My my mind went to um, some kind of contagion story where he caught something that that's causing him to hemorrhage blood out of his mouth. But yeah, yeah, the the Steve, uh, who is it? The Bradshaw story from um, yeah. Oh, the it's, it's you were thinking twenty eight days later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Michael Cole oh. is wearing a stupid fucking tuxedo all night. I like love it. It's like. I love his tuxedo like it's the 1930s, but his, like, Depp highlight hair, like, it's very clearly 1999. And it's just, like, the juxtaposition of that, for, for some reason, made it very funny to me. <laughs> 100%. All right. Did you guys see the, uh, did you see the rock sign with that had the moving eyebrow? That was dope. It was really cool. Okay. Also, uh, I... <laughs> I was I was looking at the Shamrock and Blackman thing, and I'm like, these quote unquote paramedics both have really long ponytails. <laughs> Something tells me they're gonna take a bump. So we go to the first match in the King of the Ring tournament, which pit Hardcore Holly against X Pac. Meh. Yeah, meh. I think it's funny that Hardcore Holly like just doesn't know how to not be hardcore. <laughs> 
Like he's in the middle of the match and all of a sudden he's like, ah, I'm just going to get this chair. And it's like, Hardcore Holly, this isn't a hardcore match. And he's like, it's all I've ever known. <laughs> I, um, I, I did watch the match, but I was really preoccupied with like the background sounds. Um, going into this, like I think during the intro part, I have a note that was just like, what is this music? It sounds like Square Pusher. Um, and then it, it sounded like some kind of like, like I would say post underworld, you know, like, like, um, not, not current EDM because that's kind of like crazy and, and a little, and pretty unlistenable, but like, like late nineties EDM, like what you would see at like love fest in, in like Berlin or something. Um, and then wh- the entire time Holly and X-Pac were wrestling, it, it felt like there was like a weird background tone, like somebody was playing. And I, I swear to God, I looked up a keyboard emulator on my on on my browser to try to find the note. And I think it was maybe like an F sharp or a D sharp, like one of the black keys on the keyboard towards the like the left side of the keyboard. Uh, and it just it sounded to me like it felt like the soundtrack to Eyes Wide Shut. So I went down. I went in a path. <laughs> you went deep, man. Went went into a real hole there, trying to figure this out. And the match was only three minutes long, so I mean, it, it was real easy <laughs> to miss the entire fucking thing. <laughs> I also I also noticed that X Pac took one of the most protected chair shots I've ever seen. He had like his 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 hands like literally in front of his face for it. As well, he should because we don't want unprotected chair shots. True. Um, yeah, and Road Dog coming to his aid there, really selling the uh, the friendship between these two guys. Which, if you were to to have me name the friendships in D Generation X, Road Dog and X Pac would be like number seven. I didn't even think they knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> we're really more of acquaintances. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're in here too. Oh, cool. Okay. But uh, yeah, X-Pac defeated Hardcore Holly by DQ, and not much else needs to be said about this, except that Hardcore Holly then goes backstage and goes, <laughs> I love this. Who the hell are you? And then Terry Taylor goes, I'm Terry Taylor. <laughs> I, I love that. That's the best response to that question. <laughs> like, like, he's like, who the hell are you? I'm Terry Taylor. <laughs> like, like. It had, Something's wrong if you don't know who I am. It had a real uh, John Locke going, hey, Nikki and Paolo on Lost vibe for me. <laughs> but Hardcore Holly has not forgotten about the big show, which in case anybody missed it on the June 21st episode of Raw, Big Show dropped a fucking car on him and it was awesome. Yeah, I thought. But that did clip. he? I thought didn't he just like push a car in a di- different direction from Holly? No, there was like an embankment. It was kind of like Jurassic Park esque, if I if I may. Uh, <laughs> like basically, like hardcore. There was like an embankment, right? It looked like, and they're mm-hmm. like so. Hardcore Holly was like below it, and he pushed the car off, um, and the way it fell, it like missed him. Like it almost went too far. He was against the wall, like at the embankment. Was what? Ah. That's what they were selling. I'm sure they actually moved him out when they taped it or whatever, but. That was what they were selling was that he pushed it over, but like he happened to like lay in just the right way, much like that scene in Jurassic Park. So the car fell in such a way that it did not fall on him. That makes more sense. I was like, it just looks like Big Show was just really angry and was like, I'm going to fuck up this car. Well, I want to know in front of of, in front of uh, Hardcore Holly, though. 
like not even like where the car would even have an impact. That that's the way the the recap looked to me. They definitely like, reset the camera, which is why like I think there was probably some uh, Hollywood magic involved there. But I want to know if Big yeah. Show's uh, facial hair is trying to make a statement of some kind because <laughs> he's got a reverse soul patch, like a negative soul patch. Really. Yes. Uh, Thank you. That... Thank you, Bobby. I was trying to classify that um, because it looks like he's like doing like the the old Western kind of thing that just kind of got away from him. Yeah, it, like it's like he didn't he it needs he needs either more a little more or a little less. <laughs> do you go? Wait, do you guys have a picture? Uh, not handy, but like it was just his whole but, face the but, whole time. Yeah, picture, <laughs> picture a goatee, a full goatee, and then just remove the, then start at the soul patch and go down. And just take, and take off the that soul, out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a negative soul patch. Does like if you did... know, oh go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Bobby. I was gonna say if you just did basically uh, select inverse on a soul patch, that's what would be the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's like none of it connects. It, it, yeah, it really. It, it's um, it does look like a like like um, what is it? Uh, the the con. You know, like whatever. What, what do you call it? The contrast. You know what I mean? The inverse. Or like, a, a, or yeah, inverse or like a, a like a photo negative. Yeah. yeah. Much like the photo negative of the Big Show on the poster for this, for this one uh, six-minute match that he had. Boy, yeah. Does, uh, does anyone know? There were some bad spots. But but before, does anybody know why? So I've got I haven't forgotten about you, Big Show, which is what Hardcore Holly said. But then I have Jazz Hands written beneath there. Does anyone know why I have that written? I do not. Okay. No, not at all. If any listeners know what I'm talking about, let me know. Oh, this is a nice Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Watch the pay-per-view and think Jazz Hands. And if you can find the uh, the timestamp, send it to us, and uh, we'll see. We'll have Aaron react in real time. Okay. Um... I wanted this match to be very, so much cooler than it was. And and it was a hard-hitting Haas match for the start of it, at least. Okay. Yeah. I also want to talk about Kane's kind of sexy, like, mesh titty window. Can we talk about that? That's new to the outfit. He's got, like, the... the full... His outfit did look different, yeah. He got, I like, was the... too busy. <laughs> I was too busy looking at Shane. I forgot to look at Kane this time. <laughs> Shane, Kane... Dane, they're all there. But he had, like, the flame parts of his uniform or whatever that are, like, black were, like, black mesh. And you could, like, see. He looked like he was wearing a Drag Race breastplate. Like, his titties looked so good. Like, he looked, I was like, is Kane sexy? <laughs> and then also I wanted to ask, is he, as listeners, I believe we've talked about this several, many times, that one of my things that I'm most obsessed about in all of wrestling, the mystery that haunts me to this day, and if I ever get to meet Glenn Jacobs, it is the first thing I will ask about, is at some point, they started making Kane wear a wig. And I want to know why. Why he wears a wig. Because there was like a time when he was playing both like corporate Kane and then Kane the monster. And he would wear the old mask and it had the hair on it. And he would wrestle in it. And then he would be selling them pulling his hair, which we have established is a wig. And it drives me fucking crazy. But at this point, I have to wonder. I want to know when we make the switch to wig. Because up until this point, it was his natural, long, beautiful, flowing locks. I think this but, is hair. You th- I, oh, this is totally hair. It looks hundred percent hair. Right I now. don't know. It looks very different because it, it looked. You could see his forehead. I don't know. I, you could see where it's attached. I think it's a wig. I I assume what? Oh, I assume that that it didn't go to wig until he started playing bald cane, 
Sure, but I don't. We don't know when he cut. That's what I mean. Because until we have unmasked Kane to to check against, which we have, we don't have here. So we don't know when he's like off the clock. If he's walking around with a high and tight, uh, picking up his fucking Monster Energy drink or whatever they're doing in 1999, Mountain Dew Code Red. You know, like what? Mm. We don't. I, How look, long has Kane been around? How I, long he's been around? Like when did he start? When did he premiere? 1998. 97? Yeah. 97, 98. I forget which one that was. The 97. Hell? Yeah, 97. The fall of 97. I don't know. Two years to lose his to lose his hair? No, That's lose it. Maybe he, maybe he cut it. Maybe he was like, it's 1999. Like, that was not a cool hairstyle then. <laughs> but I don't know. All I'm, I, I'm not convinced this is the time, but I am saying that his hair looked suddenly longer, darker, and a different texture than it had in like literally the last time I saw him. It was longer, darker, and a different texture. And, like, the way it moved around his head as he was, like, doing stuff seemed weird. It seemed different to me. And I know I've been looking for it. Uh, so I'm not saying this is definitely the moment. The moment has to happen at some point. But this his hair, something seemed off about Kane's hair here. I don't know if he's switched I, product or uh, maybe it has some hard water. But <laughs> So, like, so does, like, when, when modern Kane... Uh, like, did they, like, are you saying that they, like, they probably changed the wig and changed the material? Because, like, Modern Kane, it's, like, very clear that that is, like, it almost looks like yarn. Like, it it doesn't even look like human hair, the wig he has, like, in current, in the past couple years. Do you think they had, like, better wig hair for him back then? And then they've just, like, gotten worse and worse because they're like, who cares? It's a fucking joke anyway. I actually do. I also, okay. I don't know that I would say that his wig is that bad. The contemporary wig is bad. Like the, the when they is do it, it that no. bad. Well, but yes. it, or is, you know it, but isn't it? Isn't it just that we? Know? Aaron, Aaron, if you showed up in that wig, I'd be like, Aaron, this is no, this is not your hair. Stop this. <laughs> Michelle Visage would tear, would snatch that wig bald. <laughs> yes. That's a wig you use for a reveal. There's a pussycat wig underneath. Yeah, that is a shake and uh, go. That makes a lot more sense. That is a shake and go party city wig. Yes, yes. That's 100% party city. But I do think that there was like a time in between where I think the wigs were better, but they were still wigs. I just, uh, so maybe it'll come back to me more, but I'm just saying in this match, I noticed the titty window. And then I noticed, I'm like, his hair looks suddenly longer, darker, and the way it's like moving and sticking to his face in a way it wasn't before. So I was and like, the, something seems you, weird. And the mesh is weird you, because they're still selling the fact that Kane is horribly and burned and disfigured in every yeah. area that is, is covered up. Yeah. There's like one arm. That's like all of that. All <laughs> that was saved. But Kane was looking like a snack. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, he looked good. He looked good. And do you think that like before John Cena came around that the WWE had like a uh, a deal with like Make a Wish where they're like, look, we'll visit you, but we want all the hair that's being made oh. for you. Dark, oh. Is that rough. <laughs> we just got over Owen and the Ministry, Eric. Must you? Must you? Must me Sorry. Bring Make a Wish into this now. Back on my bullshit. <laughs> And this match is on its bullshit. There's a whole bunch of shenanigans, low blows, chairs, and everything. Everyone is able to come out of this looking strong, even in losses. But Kane gets the pin. Anyway, uh, so there's a there's a couple things I wanted to talk about though. Did you see there was like a, a a spot where like they're they're both like 
bouncing off the ropes and coming at each other, and they do like yes. what, what do you call it? Like a high kick, a uh, big boot. It was what literally would be called big, big boot. The, yeah, so they give each other the big boot, and I swear to God, uh, Big Show was like already falling back, and I don't even think the the boot even touched him. Yeah, it was absolutely awful. Yeah, that was a really. I feel like any like recap you read or anybody who talks about this pay per view, they always it's like a, that's like a pretty. It was like a and like the camera caught it and like the worst angle. It just like was the most. Uh, there was so much air between everyone. It looked yes, like yes. shit. Uh, the camera angle they caught it on too was just like the worst one they could have chosen. <laughs> that like showed like everything how bad it was. Uh, I did the one thing I uh, re- I really liked Kane's insecurity. Uh, that was a really cool moment. Yes. But other than that, this wait, wait, well, didn't did what? It, so is the insecurity wasn't the one? There was one where he did like a almost like was it like a drop kick to Big Show out of the ring? Like okay, so Big Show was outside the ropes on the on the. Um, on the ring, and then Kane like basically did a like jumped and did a kick with both of his feet. Was that the one you're talking about, or is that you're talking about a different Inziguri? I'm talking about the Inziguri is usually like that they're usually holding one leg or they kick them first and they kind of step up and with the other foot kick him in the back of the head. That's an Inziguri. Okay, okay. Uh, speak- there was one where there was there was one where basically uh, like Kane made himself fully horizontal in the air and it was awesome. Yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. I, I remember, I remember having some good drop kicks and some good offense here. Like that's the thing is that Kane can move. Both these guys actually for big guys can kind of move. This was just a, I, I, this match just didn't really click ever, but I thought, yeah. but they're two of the better big men in history. Yeah. They had a really bad choke submission. Uh, like that, there was a, that was that chokehold that was just going on forever. Yeah. And at, at no point when, uh, when Kane was choking Big Show, did Big Show ever think, wait a minute, I have a hand here. He has a neck. I could choke him back. <laughs> <laughs> so can we talk about Big Show's braids? We can. Absolutely. He's, he's got vertical braids, which to me seemed like. If you took the Wendy's girl, turn her head sideways and shove it up your candy ass. That's that's how I imagine the whole the bull's horns going up someone's ass. Like the way that the big show has the like what a choice to do the uh kind of like the what like the Verrazano, the upper level and the lower level. So then we go backstage where Vince will never forgive Ken Shamrock. Shane needs medical attention. We need to send in the damn EMTs. So did you see that Vince has a corkboard on his office door? Is that where he... Uh, I couldn't... T- is that where he puts his vision that? board? I was going to say, I, I feel like there's sometimes there's, like, notices for guitar lessons that people can, <laughs> like, tear off. Or, like, Stephanie is, like, posting for babysitting jobs or something. Or if the RA is hosting some kind of mixer in the common room. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna be doing a uh, a little meet and greet later. The next first round match between Mister Ass and Ken Shamrock. Um, and again, Ken Shamrock is just like, well, I'm gonna drink all this fake blood to spit up later. So this is a callback to a, a finish they did in Japan between Ken Shamrock and Vader. Uh, and depending who you ask. In Japan, it wasn't. Uh, it was a shoot. 
that he really got like an internal injury and the match was stopped because he was like coughing up blood allegedly now some people bruce pritchard will say that that was also a work um but anyway this is the finish of this match is designed designed purposely to be a callback to the shamrock vader match in japan wasn't there another match while we were watching where shamrock got internal injuries probably yeah yeah (laughs) It was like, uh, yeah, like he, like he, like hurt his kidneys or something, but yeah, like he was also that? wasn't, was he coughing up blood? <laughs> that was like in like, that was in the first like, couple paper first year of Ken it of was, Shamrock Wrestling. It was before, yeah, it was before he went corporate. He was still a face. I don't know. He was living out of his car. Uh, <laughs> Had jaundice, was not eating well. Uh, Mr. S lets us know that um, he's going over the world's most dangerous horse's ass. Man, because I mean, well, I mean, that's kind of the story of this night is we are watching the ascension of Billy Gunn. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to me because, like, think about the smoking guns. Remember that? Yes. Like, that's what a weird thing to see, like, to be like, hey, that guy. Let's take that guy and make him a star. Well, you also barely got to see Rockabilly because he didn't even make it to pay-per-view, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't no. really get to spend too much. You didn't get, you, we were not doing deep dives back then, so I don't think you got to see any of Rockabilly. You were spared. The Outlaws, though, were really his big, you know, he, you know, showed potential with the Outlaws. Uh, but as we know, he's, uh, uh, I mean, he's a legend. He's in the hall of fame. I mean, he still pops up now and then because his son's, uh, a wrestler, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, but we've talked but about all, him. He's kind of goofy, but yeah, all eyes are on Ken Shamrock, this entire match who sells the shit out of everything. Um, when he's kind of doing a cross body jump at uh at mr s that would i get that right at the end there that offense where he'd kind of like jump sideways at uh yeah like a block mm-hmm. yeah um and every single time he's like selling the pain of that to and like audibly yelling fuck for a few of them yeah yeah Ken thought it was lo- great. loves to do that on camera he loves to hold chairs upside down and scream fuck on television <laughs> don't we all <laughs> And also belly to belly referees, but other than that, yeah, that's end of list. <laughs> the finish of this match looked dope. I thought. You want to go? Can you it? walk me through the finish again? So uh, Ken Shamrock has been fighting off these internal injuries this whole time. Billy Gunn's been having the upper hand and capitalizing on going after the body. Ken Shamrock goes for a hurricanrana, and Billy Gunn hits like a sit out power bomb. That is like you could feel like the earth shake. It looked fucking awesome, and that's what put him down. Is that what they called the the flying famous, sir? No. He had the this was the uh it's like I said it's a set up power bomb. Okay. Thanks, Bobby, because I was I was confused because JR called it said it, it was a Hurricane Rana. I didn't realize that with what they were selling was that Ken Shamrock was going for the Hurricane Rana when um when Billy Gunn reversed it. Yes. Yes, that's what it was. And then that move I mean, and it did like it looked fucking awesome. Like it looked like it did scramble. It would scramble someone's insides. Uh, it did look really good, and then they stopped mm-hmm. the match. Yeah, 
Billy Gunn wins this one by referee stoppage. And again, you want to talk about things that look good? We go backstage, and I know we say this every single month, but fuck, China looks great. This I yep. love this promo. This is the this is like this is the first time where I feel like, oh, I have chills. I can't wait to talk about this match. Uh, I thought this was the first like China promo I really really liked. Like the mm-hmm. last one, like yeah. the, the we did we saw the one about you know twenty eight days in the month that it was like, Ugh, and like sometimes she could, she was like a little stiff or dull or lifeless. But I thought this was the first time she felt like fully clicked in, lit up like 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 charisma. And I thought like the promo, what she said was really tight and clever, uh, but not, and it wasn't like overly written. It was like when I was little, I wanted to be a princess and now I just want to be a queen or it was awesome. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a great move. It was great. I, I thought she looked, she looked incredible too. But I, I, to me, this promo, I was like, yes, China promo. And I loved, loved is, is a str- is a stretch, but I really liked Road Dog versus China too. Me too. This was a great match. Yeah. I have no idea what Road yeah, Dog said in his entrance. After like the ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all of that. Oh, I do. K I N G D O double G. It okay. took me a lot to figure it out too. It was like he was spelling out King Dog. That's what it was. Oh. Ugh, I know. I, I had the same like stress. I was like, what? And I could not figure out what he was going on about. I still love, I love, uh, obviously, Road Dog's entrance always, but I really hate the addition of the doghouse part. I, it's not, it's not fun. It sucks. Like, you know I do it doggy style. It's, it sucks. Yeah. So bad. Um, it was during this match that I realized that China looks like a jacked up Abby Jacobson. And at some point, ah. I just want to secret want to secret it out there that I want Abby Jacobson to just get ripped and play China in in her movie someday. That would be amazing. I I just I loved this match. I thought like you know I don't think China is she's not like she, and she I don't think she ever really becomes like the smooth worker that Charlotte is. I don't think she ever has the uh like the the sellability like the selling that sasha does but there's something about china that eat like that there's just like an innate star quality right and you could see in this match there were so many moments where she's like smiling but there's also so many moments where she's like in character yelling at the crowd it just was fucking great she was just was just a fucking star yeah. and like had so much more charisma than billy gunn showed the whole night and it was just uh, this was the i think this might have been like on paper my favorite match of the night uh, I loved I loved the way that she did the uh, the the road dog shimmy. Yes. Oh god, so good. It's one of the four matches that I thought were good from the night. <laughs> well, and this match I had, don't know where I put it, but it's one of the four matches I thought were good. This match had story too, like not mm-hmm. just like it had like the psychology of the match in a way that the other ones did, you know, that really stood out. Of like even like you know it's obviously it was like a lot of grappling and chain wrestling so it wasn't too like so they kept like the violence to a minimum basically and to like you know figure out how they're going to tell this story in a way but at no point at every point and even China losing not to skip ahead uh, too much uh, but even in her losing it it never felt like uh, she couldn't win like it was never in doubt that she could win this and as a heel it still felt right for the story which also felt good because I feel like now WWE would like pat itself on the back and make a whole thing out of this but 
they let her lose like a heel like a re- that's what a professional wrestler does in the role and it just was everything about this i thought felt good i felt good about um bobby did you remember the finish to this match when you were like before you watched it no i remember i knew that she didn't win though i like i, I didn't remember exactly what the finishes were going to be of these but i i remember her not winning go like it, it, even making it to the finals of the tournament i remember being so disappointed was, when this happened was there any point during this where you're like is that road dog's dick i'm looking at <laughs> wait no what? There, there is, when? there is a moment where China has is is trying to pin Road Dog, where I swear it's like full outline, but then later it's revealed when China goes for the low blow that oh. that Road Dog is wearing a cup. Oh right, right. Uh, no, no. Also, I do have a note here though that I do think that Road Dog has the most comfortable ring gear. <laughs> it's like loose workout track pants and like a sleeveless shirt. I'm like, that's basically what I wear every day now. He, uh, yeah. Because, I mean, Shane's ring gear is probably a little bit more comfortable. But it's but, almost, I feel like Shane's Road Dogs, his ring gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Road Dogs actually, like, looks good for the character. Yeah, yeah I'm but, say but that. It's, it's, Road Dogs, I feel like Shane doesn't qualify. I mean, Shane is, doesn't really qualify his ring gear because he's just wearing clothes. Like, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but Road Dogs, like, someone had to sew on the D-O-double-G on the side of those track pants. I find that <laughs> very amusing. <laughs> But I, I thought this match was great. I love the story. I le- I thought everything looked believable. I, I thought Road Dog deserved, you know, did great like selling and telling the story and the two of them together. And I, I didn't, uh, I don't know. How, how did you guys feel? I mean, like that uh, with it, I could go yeah, on and no. on. No, again, like I said, I it was fun. It was, I think damn fun match with an exclamation point is what I wrote at the end. And, and I'll stick by that. Yeah. Um, I like the protective cup. I thought, I thought having the metal cup was a funny thing. I I wanted China to win, but you know I was this. It was a fun match. Like that's that's what you hope for with this pay per view. It's funny because man, watching this pay per view, I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't like a lot of this, and so I'm I'm very heartened it once again to hear that I was probably right. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of of Jr's commentary where it, I wonder if China talks in her sleep. I bet she snores. I don't know what yeah. he was trying to sell with that. She's manly. I don't know. I think it's just unpleasant. uh But I did like Jerry Lawler's. um, He's trying to put him back in the ring when uh, when Triple H was. uh, (laughs) He missed. He missed. I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really this. I'm this is getting me very excited for the China stuff to come. And I, I loved it. I know we always talk about how excited we are, but now I'm really getting excited. Like I am really getting excited for the China stuff and, and for the folks we uh, see more of uh, later in this evening. Yeah. Can you assign a number to it from like one to 10 in my excitement? I would say my excitement to yeah, see more in China. Now? I would say I'm at an eight. Uh, but you wow. have to keep in mind, my life is very bad. So having like, so, <laughs> so it's a low bar uh, to get me excited. I'm just trying to figure out like how far we have to go to like peak, you know, to when we have, you know, like, it's like when the moon is, uh, is, you know, done waxing or whatever. And it, it's like a, just a full, full moon. And we're getting, we've got, we have China. we're getting very close to peak China. Yeah. And we're going to get, when okay. we're going to get in a space where we get China and Lita and Trish all starting to happen. And that's when you're really getting like my like ultimate Bobby Hankinson. Like this was like some of my fate, like we're getting some of my favorite wrestling stuff. Like, but stuff I look, I look back on the most fondly. 
How do you look back on uh, The Rock's promo from backstage? Uh, my notice is The Rock can do no wrong. Um, the thing I remember, the thing I like the best and remember most about this promo is the sort of uh, voguing kind of move he end, ended it with, with like the pushing his face in every direction that I that I thought was wonderful. Hmm. Like the setup um, to the eyebrow. The uh, June 21st Raw, again, there's a really fun Rock versus Edge match, which uh, to see two of these Hall of Famers in their prime is is dope to see. Um, but then talking about seeing people in their prime, the next match, the first meeting between Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm at an eight for this too. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is awesome. Can I just tell you, I, I mean, the Hardy Boys were what I wanted to dress like when I, when this was on. So I, I, mm-hmm. I did like, I had a lot of, I didn't wear My shirts weren't as tight, but they were just as velour. And, uh, my pants were just as cargo. Like I I've... literally wore exactly the clothes that they're wearing, except like uh, a baggier t-shirt. Except yeah. An enormous t-shirt. Right. Yes. Does it app like a triple X t-shirt? Like it made no sense. Like, what? I filled it out a lot more, believe me, but yeah what is their aesthetic is it raver what is it's, what are they it's like, going for? it's like loose it's almost like a goth person's teenage uh child that's really into skateboarding so it's like a mix of the two cultures it's like a little bit of skateboard like punk like cult culture and a little bit of uh goth culture because the brood is gothic lifestyle yes so. as we know okay um, yeah, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, okay. I would say the Hardys' aesthetic is the back of the Hot Topic past the band t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is, like, truly where, I mean, like, that uh, home. I call it home. That's where, <laughs> that's, that's where I spent, like, so much of my time. You think they would coordinate, though, if uh, if Jeff and Michael Hayes are both wearing their orange shirts and, and Matt's got to be different with his red shirt? My favorite part of this match is when the Hardy Boys took their shirts off. Not hold on, they have long hair. Don't, don't get don't get it twisted. But it's because they took their shirts off, and for a second I thought, wait, did Michael Hayes take his shirt off too? But his skin was just so close to the color of his <laughs> shirt that he, he was still wearing his shirt. But for a minute, I was like, did Michael Hayes also take off his shirt? That's so weird. But I mean, it's also weird that he's dressing like this. So that's already weird to me. So it wouldn't have surprised me. Uh, one of my favorite like little wrestling trivia facts. Uh, that I gleaned, I think, honestly, from Pritchard's podcast, but who knows now? I can't remember. It was like a book or whatever, but Michael Hayes originally wanted the Hardy Boys to wear, like, long trench coats covered in spoons. <laughs> what? What? Why? Just because that would look cool. I don't know. He thought, because he thought that would be, like, cool and creepy and weird or whatever. They uh, would be, spoons? they'd be the spoon men. Come together think- with your plan. I, that is so fucking funny, and I would I, I like I I wish I could like live in the world where like that's the like the parallel universe where that happened. <laughs> Bobby, I would be fine if with the uh, with the Hardy Boys taking off your shirt, their their shirts being your favorite part of the match, because I was like take off your shirts also. But I mean, Edge's spear to Jeff oh, when he was, was doing so cool. the poetry. Oh, so good, so good. You know what's a shame? I, so good. I never appreciated Christian while we had while we had him. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that he's dead, but even at like the peak of Edge and Christian, which we'll get to, um, I never, for some reason, paid attention to him. I don't think like, and 
I mean, uh, it's. I guess we'll reevaluate when we yeah. go because I think I'll be watching it with an eye toward things like pushes. You know what I mean? And like, uh, what what you know, grabbing the brass ring and all that stuff. Uh, where at the time I wasn't, but I just feel like Christian. I'm taking. I'm paying much more attention to him in this rewatch than I ever originally did because I feel like I, I always kind of thought he was crappy for some reason. And I think a lot of that's on purpose with the way that they built the character. But we'll get into that more when we get into a lot of incredible tag. Like the tag team division yes. is about to be elevated to a, a whole new level. Literally. Le- yeah, that's legendary. that's actually the note I made was like, this seems like this is what I'm going. This is what I'm in store for, which is I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's the the they're going to do wrestling. That's le- I mean, it's honestly legendary and historic and like sets the bar that all tag teams are still to this day chasing. But this match ends with uh, Gangrel accidentally spraying edge in the face with viscous liquid when trying to go for Jeff and the Hardys win. Wow. Let and, me and- tell you, I have been watching so many videos that end with someone spraying someone in the face with viscous liquid. <laughs> 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 It doesn't end with a it's big been that kind of week. Does it end with a big group hug after every time too? Well, let me tell you the three the three way definitely also ends at the at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's after this where the Undertaker asks Michael Cole, "What happens when you rip the balls off of a bull?" And then he doesn't give us an answer. Um. Yeah, that made absolutely no sense to me. I truly don't know. It's I call it the riddle of the Taker. I don't know, but you, you can find out on HBO Max's Ferdinand, starring John Cena as Ferdinand. <laughs> um, I like this next part with Vince, where he's like, the ladder match will not take place tonight. And then you get Shawn Michaels, oh, the match is going to happen. And and then Vince hits him with the whole, uh, the whole suitable replacement thing, where Shawn just has to shrug and be like, well, he's got me there. I, you know, we, we talked about this in our last ministry episode that, like, the, the I need an org chart for the WWF at this point. Because, like, mm-hmm. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like you can, I, I don't like when there's a non-Vince aligned commissioner. Because it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I can't suspend my disbelief. How does he much. maintain his power, right? Yeah, it's like, it's Vince's, you can't tell me that Vince is the owner of the company. And yet this the Shawn Michaels could walk in in short shorts and a t-shirt for his wrestling school and like boss him around. That doesn't, I, I don't buy that at all. Like I know that it, it, I know obviously this is all fiction, but like it just asked me to suspend my disbelief in a way that I can't, it doesn't make sense. Well, you have to understand, you have to understand that uh, Shawn Michaels owns 25% of the company. <laughs> well, that's... And then the other McMahons own 25%. And then there's another 25%. Look, we've made no secret that math is not my strong suit. Uh, and I did, <laughs> I did have to like sit here and be like, wait, but did Linda install him? And if so, would she have to have also Stephanie's consent? Or actually, does her vote go to Steve now on the board? And it's like, fuck, I should have to think about that. Like, who at the like, end of this who wrestling. at the end of <laughs> who at the end of tonight will own hundred and seventy percent of the WWF? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't say percentages. Just say shares. No one knows what shares are. Oh like you could be like, you've got thirty thousand. You've got eighty thousand. No one knows what it's out of. The whole thing. I mean, like, that's why it made me, like, start asking those questions. And I was like, this isn't fun. (laughs) And speaking of no fun, Billy Gunn versus Kane. God. I just can't believe this. I realize. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I can't believe. Oh, no, you go. You go. I was going to say, I can't believe this is a pay-per-view. We have to watch three Billy Gunn matches. (laughs) 
that's it. I know that that's kind of the problem with with King of the Ring uh, as a format, huh? Well, if if your winner sucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think I made a mistake in the last Kane match. Uh, I I think I had did Kane. I thought I think I thought that Kane um, did something with the with a uh, Big Show, but I think he actually. Uh, he did his drop kick with with um, Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn was on the outside of the of the ropes, and Kane did an awesome drop kick, uh, like where he was just like, I don't know, six feet up in the air, his whole body six feet up in the air and kicking. Pretty cool, pretty athletic. I um I w- also want to go back to something that you you said, Eric, and and I think that there is an issue with King of the Ring with all of the the matches leading up to it being so short um and i understand for time and i understand because you don't want these guys to get gassed especially if your eventual winner is asthmatic um but i think that (laughs) i i think that that i saw this again when they they revived the king of the ring what was that two summers ago who even knows what time is anymore um, and, and when I looked at, at the list and everything of, of the guys involved, I was like, wow, this is an opportunity for these matches to, um, for them to, to really highlight some of these guys who don't get a lot of time. But even then, the preliminary, preliminary matches, even though it wasn't happening on a pay-per-view and it was happening over the course of weeks, they made them like four or five-minute matches. Yeah, I think in general, King of the Ring, I think doing the uh was it i guess the set the the like the prelim like the i cannot see it math the quarterfinals the finals the semifinals and the quarterfinals all on the same night is a lot i think if they just did the semifinals and the final on the pay-per-view and did the quarterfinals in the weeks leading up i think that's an i i think to me that'd be like an ideal format yeah uh yeah or i think if they did it like they did you know i think today we would see I would I would like them I would like to see what they did for like the May Young or the Cruiserweight where it's almost like its own weekly special on mm-hmm. the network or whatever. I'd really be into that. And I'd really would be into the Queen of the Ring tournament idea that they've bandied about uh which is basically like a main roster May Young. Then we go uh after this match, oh, Billy Gunn wins. After this match we go back Yeah, to by the way, another fucking another fucking chair shot. Mm-hmm. I am so annoyed with all the chair shots. It's like not what? a single we haven't had one single match this whole night and there's been many matches that just was like a match start to finish that had a beginning and an ending with nothing in between except wrestling. Like no screwy finishes, nobody interfering, no chairs, no outside interference, no miscues, nothing. Where it was just like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling until a pin. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, except for uh, what about the Brood and Hardy Boys? It ended uh, with someone getting blood sprayed in their face. Yeah. yeah, never mind. There was no just like a wrestling match, not a single one so far. And I don't know if we get one at all, but uh, certainly not so far. I guess maybe Billy and Road Dog later. Or X Pac and Road and Road Dog? Uh, X Pac and Road Dog. You're right, you're right. But yeah, but up until this point, all these matches have some kind of uh, nonsense. And I thought X Pac was speaking nonsense backstage when he goes, Road Dog, Brian James, J- Jesse James. But yes. his name is actually Brian James. So I I also was like, I don't think X Pac can get straight who his best friend, like what his best friend's <laughs> name is. But it, his name is Brian James. So I was like, is he kind of like, is it shooting? I don't know what, what, what to call it. I don't know. Afterwards, I thought he was going to say, Do you spell Burt Toast? 
<laughs> well, it's funny because like in Road Dogs promo, he also kind of flubbed X Pac's name. He said X Pac. I know I said X Pac. It's X Pac. And I'm like, is this one of those things where it's like you have that one that person in your life that you like talk to all the time, but you never say their name. So when you have to say their name, you just really fuck up because mm. you're out of practice. And it's another quick match here. Um, I yeah, I barely paid attention honestly. I like a little bit the story here, like two friends kind of forced to fight it out with each other. I just wish that they were better friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel, and knew each other's names. I feel like the entire uh, quarterfinal, semifinal, had uh, <laughs> semifinal had everyone was like DX or DX adjacent. You know what I mean? Because even Kane and X-Pac mm-hmm. used to be a team. And it, they could have played that up a lot more, I think. And there was, like, even more to really, like, lean into. Ken and X-Pac are still a team, right? I don't know. That's what I was, like, thinking about because it was never mentioned. Yeah, no, they're, um, yeah, I'm thinking about who some of their future tag team opponents are going to be right now. They're still at least linked. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, that, I I just feel like they Mm -hmm. could have been talking more about, like, wow, this is, like, a DX sweep of King of the Ring. Like, they're they're all in. Even even China's presence, you know, was uh, has, like, a DX history. And Shawn Michaels and Triple H are there. You know what I mean? So there's, like, I just feel like it was a missed opportunity to, like, tell a much more compelling story. Yeah, when when Ken Shamrock and and Hardcore Holly are the only two in the entire, oh, and Big Show, I guess are the only ones in the entire tournament who aren't like DX affiliated in some way. And especially once you get into the semifinals and it's like, well now mm-hmm. at the final four, it's like, there's, you know, these men once brothers now, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the intro just writes itself. You just got to find like uh, images of, uh, you know, Malcolm X giving a speech to put behind it or whatever <laughs> for, some, for some inexplicable <laughs> reason. Uh, but X-Pac goes over and they hug it out. Oh, I like that. Would it be fair to say that, I don't know, at this point, Road Dog is probably the weakest DX member? Or, the, like, just the way that they're, um, they've built him. Yes. Physically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. And I'm including China in that list, uh, even though he went over in this one. Uh, yeah. And it seems like a missed opportunity because, again, there's something else that, like, I'm, like, re- I feel differently about on my second watch because I feel like I'm appreciating much more what road dog brings even obviously not just on the mic, which is what he's most famous for, but he's a pretty good hand in the ring. He's not Mm going to like, wow you. He's not going to be a ricochet. You know what I mean? He's not going to be Brock Lesnar, but he he can move and he can put on a show. He he can tell a story. He's fun. He's fun. He can be a good partner for someone else too. And like put on a good match with someone. I'd rather see a road dog match than a Billy Gunn match. Let's just say that. Definitely. Would you rather see a road dog match or three Billy Gunn matches? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I'd rather see a Bart gun match than three Billy gun matches. <laughs> well, we know why. I mean, just put him put him back into the brawl for all. Next up in not the main event, we have The Rock versus The Undertaker for the WWF Championship. Opening up for it, Billy Gunn. That's gun. the first the- <laughs> Yeah, right? That was the first that was the first thing I wrote is how is this not the main event? How is it pot like then I was like, okay, I guess King of the Ring. It's called King of the Ring. That should be somewhere close to the main event. But like it doesn't make any sense to me that like 
your WWF championship match is like third yep. or last. They had to give a cushion though for for X Pac. Had, had they had to have a bumper match here of some kind because they're not gonna put X Pac in back to back. Then uh, yeah. what else goes here? You can't put Austin McMahon here because that that's that is the main, that is what people are there to see. Like people bought tickets to see the, the Austin McMahon match, so they can't. That has to go on last. Which is so. Which You're is out of choices. In, but I mean that's insane. That I I'm, I'm not. I'm, that Austin McMahon was that big of a draw that you've got The Rock and The Undertaker both in the prime of their careers going at it for the WWF Championship. Well, what the well, well, the match will will bear out that actually they were right. Yeah, let's put let's put a I want to question some of those assumptions there because yes, they're in their pro like they're in their youth. Undertaker's not at his best yet. I don't think I don't think this is the best Undertaker. First off, and the story they're telling is really isn't great. I don't think terrible and it's just i thought it was a bad match because they didn't and like the the grander story also like got so fucked when the whole ministry stuff went sideways that undertaker looks as we as we've talked about at length like a fucking chump in so many ways and so the whole thing is just like weird and transitional as you're looking to see triple h sort of like step into more of a main event role so the whole thing just kind of feels like so even though you're right on paper if you're like how are the undertaker and the rock not the biggest draws like i get the logic there but in this instant, at this moment in time, they're not. That the, the Austin McMahon are, are, is is that is the money match on this pay per view. Okay. So Eric said this is a bad match. Do you agree with that, Bobby? I like this I match. Know. I wouldn't say it's a bad match, but no. I, I, I as I've been saying, these fucking just like endless early brawls just drag on me. It makes me forget how much I. It, it's just crazy. We never see this now, and every mm-hmm. single match is is shenanigans that we're mm-hmm. watching now and there's no wrestling yeah. and it makes me realize how much i like wrestling like the wrestling and how much even then you know i liked the hardys uh and lita and i liked uh folks that were doing more like interesting spots and doing and Shawn michaels and like the high flyers and because that was exciting because i like the wrestling and there's just i didn't enjoy this match yeah, because there wasn't enough wrestling it was a lot of bullshit yeah i, I think my my the way I, I went, th- like I, the first time I watched it, I was kind of like already mesmerized by you know an hour and a half of of previous wrestling and, and a lot of Billy Gunn. I was just like, whatever, I don't even know. And then and so like I was watching it and I was kind of like it was that was the moment where Little Ewick had to go to sweep foot a <laughs> bit. But uh, but then I rewatched it. I actually rewatched it before t- uh, before we recorded today because I was like, you know what? Let me just rewatch. And the it's a very uneven match is what I it's what I would say. I think it had what I would consider to be a terrible start. I hated the beginning of it. I hated the story behind it. I didn't like it. And then at a certain point, and like in the middle, it was like like too mu- a lot of like outside the ring stuff, like almost too much outside the ring stuff, and and for really not a lot of like like good payoff for being outside the ring. Yeah, and I thought like. The end was a little bit more interesting to me because the crowd got really excited for it. There was a lot of like, you know, who's going to get up and then how is it going to happen? So there was there was a little bit of something to bring it back. But like it was it was just too much of like 
you know, emptying out the refrigerator and throwing everything into the pot and hoping it makes a soup. And it really was like a mess. Okay. I will, I will agree with you on the start of the match because it starts with um, Taker attacking the ref for no real reason. Like I, I would understand. No reason at all. I would all. understand yeah. him attacking the ref in order to, to knock him out so that he could like punch him in the dick or something like that. But he still just goes for the, the regular undertaker offense there also where's where's midian where's viscera where are the acolytes right now where they at (laughs) Uh, there's we we've taken out two referees we're basically in the backstage area i mean like you're fighting at the entrance where's the i don't know if you want to keep your wdf champion wouldn't championship wouldn't you have your 500 pound friend viscera come down and like beat the shit out of this guy you've got these four goons that allegedly like follow your every command what what's happening um also like i mean i i know it's attitude era and we're kind of in the middle of all of this where you know people bring chairs for everything but like we had a few different dqs during king of the ring why is why is hitting the ref literally hitting the ref and knocking him out not a DQ? Why is that not an automatic DQ? Because he had his back turned. The ref didn't what? The ref the ref needs to see the attack in order to call for the DQ. Uh, all right. Um what about the fact that like the Rock takes Undertaker down for a 6 count, maybe even an 8 count, but uh, the only th- the only reason that the Undertaker doesn't lose that match in the first two minutes is because there isn't a ref. Like, let's you know we've talked about this in the past episodes about how flexible Undertaker's um, vo- uh, invincibility is, right? Like, Undertaker is a force to be reckoned with, uh, unless he's not. Uh, you know, because like that sometimes. It's, you know, they thought it would be a better story to have it be like, oh, well, yeah, he just got taken. He could have been taken out by by a rock bottom in the first, you know, 30 seconds of the match. But, um, you know, it was shenanigans. So he wasn't it like for the Undertaker. Really? I I buy that. I, I agree with you. But I think in this case, I allow it because the rock is that special. That, like, mm-hmm. you're right, no one should be able to take the Undertaker down in 30 seconds. So the fact that The Rock can actually, The Rock is worthy of being, like, no, this man's actually, like, electric. Like, those WWF fighting games that are not, like, actual realistic wrestling, they're, like, power-ups and, like, Mortal Kombat shit. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the I might believe The Rock can do that kind of shit because he's that, he's that uh, powerful but not in the strength way, but, like, sheer, sheer power. Like, I don't know. There's just something about The Rock that, like, that's what makes wrestling exciting. It's, like, you know, watching the greek gods fight you know what i mean like they have these they they are kind of like supernatural in a little way and but i get what also, you're saying is i do think they 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 like punk out the undertaker too much but also I, um I, I, oh, oh, uh, yeah go ahead on facebook this week listener andrew scalise said that he believes that the undertaker exhausted all of his magic in his battles with kane and formed the ministry to compensate and i'm taking that as a hundred percent canon that that the Undertaker is right now marshalling his powers and is at his weakest. He's saving up his powers to buy a motorcycle. He's been living with his parents. Well, they're dead, but he's he's still living with them. They they he has a trust fund. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like he, the problem for me is like when you have this like round robin of like of superstars who are like the biggest people in the company 
and you watch them how they battle each other the the logic starts getting a little bit weird because it's like oh uh you know austin uh austin and and undertaker can go at it they it's just a it's just a, a total brawl and like austin has to beat down the undertaker oh austin and the rock can go at it like the rock can't take down austin right away that's a hard you know it, he has to win by shenanigans so then all of a sudden now like the rock you know like the rock oh suddenly he's now he's now so electric that he can take down the undertaker who austin couldn't take down in the same way it's just like and uh, it doesn't hold up no and and there's always going to be a level of that i mean uh, I'm just thinking about right now Kevin Owens' run as the Universal Champion where he couldn't win unless people were helping him. And now he's faced Kevin Owens, who's uh, who's jumping off of things at WrestleMania to take out someone like Seth Rollins. Yeah. I know I there there should be more thought putting into exactly how it is that these guys get this way, how it is that they become depowered, how it is that they power, they're powered up again. Um, but it just tends to be like, this is what works for tonight. It's mysterious. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> you know. You know what I would say? I think this is something that, like, the, that the announcers could have kind of talked about. Because, like, something, you know, look, we something that 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 sports entertainment can borrow from the sports world is the any given sunday rule right Mm -hmm. where it's not necessarily like oh you know rock's so powerful he just he just overpowered him it's like look you catch anybody you know in the right way at the right time that can do it you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything in terms of this uh, ranking of who's better than who. It's just like sometimes people have a good day and sometimes people have a bad day. And I think that that could be all that stuff could be really helped mm-hmm. by having an announcer point that stuff out yeah, or take us there. I think that makes a lot of sense. So a question I have, um, I, I mean, I don't know how much you want to, you want to run through the match. Um, as much as you want you to wanna, like go through a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a few things that I want to talk about, but you know, if you want to take it beat by beat, uh, you let me know. I don't need to do the whole thing. I do want to mention, um, do they sell ether with bottles of masking tape on them that say ether in big block letters? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they took a, a mason jar and they're just like, okay, we, we just have some runoff ether from our, from our Costco supply. Let's we'll just fill it with that. It's like an old pickle jar. Hey, look, I've got I've got Michael's secret stuff right here. This is our microbrew <laughs> ether, actually. <laughs> um, preceding so, uh, uh, preceding craft beer guy, you had craft ether guy. Yeah. Well, cra- craft ether guy. The thing about it is, it'll fuck you up, but also it'll knock you out. It's it's. It's kind of like it's the it's the roofie and the drink in, in one. But it's honestly so much fewer carbs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just breathe my my uh, my alcohol. Yeah, there's no calories. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is not. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know. Uh. Stop on a on a on a spot in the match that is not really that special of a spot, but it raised a question for me. Um. There's a part where Undertaker is kind of beating down the rock and, and he's really been uh, running the ring for a while. 
And then the Undertaker does his Undertaker move where he gets up on the post and he walks along the rope. And that's when Rocky, uh, it wasn't my favorite uh, sell of, of, of the rock actually like making him lose his balance. But we get the point Undertaker loses his balance, falls on his dick on the ro- on the top rope. And I wanted to ask, uh, what do you guys think is the Undertaker's record uh, for walking on the rope and and landing that move versus falling on the rope and hitting his nuts? Do you think like like I know early on he really walked he really pulled it off successfully, but I think over the years up to this point he's he started to kind of the curve has flattened a little bit and it's it feels to me like a like he's batting five hundred. Yeah, sure. I'd say me- six times out of ten. Well, let, here, here, let me demystify it for you, because I think what, I, to me, I think it's that when Undertaker's a face, he hits it. When Undertaker's a heel, he doesn't hit it, because he's a heel. <laughs> and so the, the, the face knocks him off. And over longevity-wise, I think he's a face much more than he's not. So I think if you look at his career average, <laughs> is that a word? Is that is that the term? Yep. Uh, his career? Sure. Then it's yeah. probably m- much better. But I do agree that right now, he almost never hits it, because I, like I feel like it's almost because he's a heel. So you, uh, the crowd wants to yell when he falls on his penis. I don't know why, <laughs> but they just seem to like that kind of thing. <laughs> Bobby, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm hiring you for my startup. I feel like this is a question they would ask in a Google interview. Wow. Where they're, like, they don't really want to know the answer. They just want to know how you think. Wow. All and right. I feel like you, you had a real analytical uh, take on it. You guys, we are about to take a, a diversion. Is that okay? Can we diverge yeah. for a second? Okay. Because, Love it. Uh, you know, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, let's say, <laughs> and especially because, you know, back when uh, I, I would have anything to promote, uh, I joined all these like gay Facebook groups. And one of them is like a geeky gay Facebook group. People are generally like, hi, my name is Sam. I live in the middle of nowhere in Omaha. I don't know a single other gay person. Hi, please be my friend. Here's a picture of me in a tank top. Like that's what most of the posts are in all of these groups. But the other day I happened to just like pop into Facebook and came across what I think is a very important question that led to a very similar sort of like uh, logic and reasoning uh, struggle. Can you guys suggest a max height for giants? I'm writing a fantasy series and I'd like giants that are functional, but still able to have a sexual relationship with a normal sized being. Wow. (laughs) And that was something that this guy thought he'd crowdsource. And everything about that makes me laugh very high. Like, for, first of all, it's got to be a max height, not just any height of giant. He has to be the tallest of the giants. Otherwise, why would a normal-sized person want to fuck them? Uh, well, you mean the tall, the tallest giant that can still fuck? Yeah, what's the max height? Yeah. And some people, because I, I asked a few people, and I was like, well, what, I said this like a few people, I was like, what do you think? And they're like, are we talking like Andre the Giant? Or are we talking like Beanstalk Giant? Because I'm thinking Beanstalk Giant. Beanstalk but Giant, whole, yes. Right, totally. Beanstalk Giant. Like, because first of all, like, like, um, uh, the wildling giant, if, you know, like like out, outside the wall. If you're writing a fantasy series where giants and quote-unquote normal-sized people need to be able to fuck, you want to get fee-fi-fo fucked. Like, that's <laughs> what this is about. Uh, <laughs> but I cannot believe it. I was like, first of all, I can't even be a functional regular-sized person. I have no idea how a functional giant would work. What does it even mean, a functional giant? I still want them to be functional. Uh, 
But the whole thing led me and a friend of mine down this path where we were like, okay, well, what's like the average size length of a penis and the average height of a penis? That would be like the ratio and how big of a penis would be big, like, or how big of a vagina. Like we had to like do all these calculations and I was like, I feel like Goodwill hunting. Like I feel like they would, they would ask you this at Google. So wait, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Also, I I don't know. Does it have to be penetrative sex? No, because like, then it's like, is it vagina? Is it this? Is it that? Like, what does it mean that you can still able to have sex, a sexual relationship? I mean, like, yeah. there's a lot I of get, con- I'm just picturing like, like, picturing like wrapping around your your arm around it, like uh, like Mulan is uh, is climbing to get the arrow on the top of the pole. Man, we are just like heavy on Mulan references. <laughs> we- <laughs> Wait, are you saying like a hand job is sex? Because I definitely had sex in, in middle school then. Well, they just had a sexual relationship. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I know we are doing a, a nostalgic '90s podcast, but I don't think we need to get into the, what the definition of sex is, because <laughs> that, that predates where we're oh, at by a we, couple years. We still have to have that talk. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we did have Clinton calling into Raw a few times in case we forgot. Uh, there was, <laughs> yes, that would have been the time. Anyway, this was my functional giant. Uh, this is the math. This, that's as close to the math as I get in general is by the by the way um if you ever want to have fun just go on to like sci-fi and fantasy writer forums because they ask those kinds of questions all the time people are always they're always trying to crowdsource like really 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 bad ideas and it's very fun to go through anyone else have anything on the uh rock undertaker match oh right 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 uh, <laughs> yeah uh okay so one uh Two things. Uh, I'll, I'll keep them quick because we want to keep this episode under the two-hour mark. Uh, one is there was a shrieking woman who I swear to God was like she was full-on banshee. Like, they, I, like she hit a key where I just like heard her over everyone else. Did, did you guys hear Did you it? then go and look up a MIDI synthesizer to see if you could pinpoint the exact key note that she was shrieking? I'm pretty sure she was at an E flat, <laughs> but I'm not. It's on the right side, the white keys. No, I, I, it was, it was horrifying. The like, I'm like, are you just trying to get your voice on the on TV? Probably. Uh, then also, I, I went down a, I went into a a, a weird uh, hole of when The Rock had the chair and Undertaker had the bell. I was like, ooh, chair versus bell for the title. Uh, and then I thought, is it like it's like it's like rock paper scissors, but it's rock chair bell, where bell beats chair. I'm I'm workshopping this okay. for you guys, so I don't know. That's it. This match ends when Triple H gets involved. He winds up hitting the pedigree. Someone throws a glow stick into the ring, and uh, Taker gets up at eight and falls on the rock when they're doing a double count out rock kicks out, but then Taker hits him with the tombstone and gets the one, two, three. Also uh, triple H uh, interfered. Mm-hmm. And I assume that's the beginning of a program between triple H and the rock. I mean, triple H and the rock have been in the midst of a program for guess... a little while now, but um, I mean, yeah. Okay. And, it, and well, I mean, it's been, it's been good so far. I mean, uh, and now we got to talk about Xbox versus Billy Gunn. Wait, I, I just want to say though that um, the Vince promo, where I think was he like on the phone with somebody? Yeah, or he's something? screaming "Turn around!" into a cell phone. I thought we should. I thought somebody should cut the audio and and set that as a GPS. <laughs> like, turn around! You're going the wrong way. Or cut it in. Turn around! 
Every now and then I get a little bit lonely. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> you know what? I might just do that for us. I would say he's also wearing like a Madonna mesh glove that I find very, <laughs> I thought was like very strange here. I'm sure it's like a weightlifting glove kind of thing, but it was mesh. Like it definitely looked like something Madonna would wear in the 80s. Uh, and I love that maybe he like borrowed it from, you know, Midian or whatever. Uh, these like weird fishnet gold dust, like old like artist probably known as gold dust gear. Man, where's gold dust? I haven't even seen that guy in a while. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah. All right. Um, I don't have much to say. It's uh, I think it's dumb that they're doing the Billy Gunn stole Bradshaw's tag team belt. I don't particularly understand. Like, I got the details that they were they there was a six man match and somehow the belts were on the line and therefore Billy Gunn thinks he can stake ownership to it. Blah blah blah. But like what? Oh, I missed all of that. Honestly, you missed nothing. Yeah, it just seems oh, really well, perfect. stupid. Mm-hmm. Do we want to not talk about this match? I mean, I don't have much to... I don't need to, honestly. <laughs> Great. Uh, Billy Gunn hits the Famaster off of the second rope, and Monty Kip Sop is named the King of the Ring. Thank God for doing that. <laughs> um, also... His name is Monty Kip Sop? His real name is Monty Sop, but his, his nickname is Kip, according to Wikipedia. What the fuck? His parents hated him from the beginning. Um, China would have been a better. That's all I'll yes. say. Totally. I think that that's the. I think that's the move. I think that's the move that makes the most sense. Um. And I think we'll see why. I mean, this is definitely the apex of Billy Gunn's career, or singles career at least. I think so. Guys, I'm real sorry. Um, instead of giving you all of those timestamps, I really should have just had you guys watch this recap for all of our ministry <laughs> deep dives. <laughs> oh, no. That shit was long, but it was good. Yeah. Um, I thought the recap actually was even more confusing with the time jumps. Like, It's like if a 12-year-old was trying to tell me what was going on. Like I, I truly had, like if I hadn't watched the the ministry stuff that you gave us, mm -hmm. I would have been like, I don't know when everything is. It was a little bit like, um, I don't know, the usual suspects or or like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, they definitely like left out like huge. Like it's it's unbelievable like to remember like the huge swaths of that story that existed. That like that recap at the end didn't matter at all. Like, couldn't yes. even make the recap package. It's like everything with Ken Shamrock. I don't think was the brood in there at all. It's like the whole thing. It was like, wait, what, what happened here? Uh, I feel like we just like missed so much of it. Remember the union? I mean, the whole thing was, remember when Big <laughs> Show showed up? At, at, at The whole thing, there was like so many parts of it that just, in the end, just like ended up in the trash. Yeah, man, it was a lot. By the way, I, I when they were like, the court, like all of this started in March and it's now June. And I was like, do they just do quarterly storylines? Is it like, is that like, instead of reporting on earnings to the comp, you know, for the, to the, the shareholders, they're just like, okay. And, uh, for Q3, uh, we had Vince pretending that the ministry was going after his daughter <laughs> and they all just sit there like, 
Um, what does that What does that mean for our stock? But but also, I mean, kind of yes, because you have the big four pay per views, and so that kind of right. naturally puts it into quarters. And at this point, um, King of the Ring is like the unofficial fifth big pay per view, uh, where I would equate it with um, Money in the Bank nowadays. But we get through that enormous recap just to find out that Steve Blackman is going to be in the main event of a pay-per-view. Man, I don't, I don't know what they could do. I don't know. They can, like, attach sharks to his arms. Like, I don't know what they can do to try to, like, I know that he's, like, lethal weapon. He's so scary. But he comes out, he looks such a fucking doofus that I'm sorry. I know he can probably kill me with his hands. But just, like, he looks like such a fucking dink when he comes he's out of the thing. He is a dork. He's a big dick face. Yeah, but he's got big the, dick energy. The tag, the tagline for Steve Blackman should be suitable replacement. <laughs> like that is that is a perfect encapsulation of who Steve Blackman is. Oh, so dumb and the stupid glow sticks and the black. It's like the whole thing. It's like yikes, woof. And then, it's so so then it's 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 like settling in that that Steve Blackman is the replacement. And there's a whole bunch of shots where. Vince McMahon is pointing up to the briefcase, explaining that, yes, yeah, so what we need to do is we need to go up and we need to take the briefcase down. See that? No, that brief, that one up there. And it's, at, I mean, look, Steve Blackman gets very uh, stressed around luggage, <laughs> so I get it, you know. And it's at that moment where GTV decides to cut in. And I'll tell you this because it never really goes anywhere. GTV, originally GDTV, was supposed to be Goldust TV and was going to be his return. But it never really paid. Like, much like the hacker that was showing up on SmackDown for a while there, never really pays off. And once they decide- Wow, you, you, really, you really delivered on that. I did not think you were going to. <laughs> uh, once they realized it wasn't going to be Goldust, you know who else it was going to be for a brief amount of time? Who? Tom Green. <laughs> wow, that was wait. Oh, Tom Green for for to, for Tom Green TV. That's great. I Tom Green, and you know, and they dropped it because they tried. They showed Vince who Tom Green was, and he's like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish that that happened. I wish that that happened so bad. But so G- I like that. So GTV cuts cuts into Shane McMahon with his buddies backstage being like, man, it was so great committing our nefarious deeds. Wasn't it awesome how we got away with all that? Also, though, I love that it was it was him, his two buddies from the Main Street Posse, and then that third new guy kind of leaning in real close and desperate to be like, what are you guys talking about, guys? Huh? Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Am I right? I know. Like, it was very, it was like a very funny shot to me. Get on the same page, Joey Abs. Yeah, let him. Oh, jeez. So, Steve Blackman is out, Shane McMahon is back in, and it is Shane, Vince, and Steve Austin for control of the company in the main event. So, why does Shane's shirt say McMahon 632? Like, what does that mean other than it's 316 times 2? It's It's like the dumbest numerology. Yeah, they answered your own question. <laughs> All right, good. Okay, yeah. so he's like, uh, we can we can choose either uh, McMahon six thirty two or McMahon nine forty eight. 
Uh, I've got a, a couple of these written down. It goes for a while. It's written in the Torah that. <laughs> uh, this is fun, though. I guess. I, I like this match. Um, I liked it. I didn't as much. Again, I'm just bored. I just feel like it's more of the same. I can't just, like, watch people be, like, um, gingerly thrown like wrestlers do into ladders. It just, like, it just, it, it, it just bores me after a while. Uh, I, I I agree with you, and, and look, I'm never a fan of a of a Shane of a of a Shane or Vince match, honestly, at this point. But I thought this was like I basically I put down that this was better than I thought it would be, like by a lot. Like I was I was like, you know what? Like, I mean, to not to get too far ahead, but like the part where like Shane's on his father's uh, shoulders, I thought was funny. See, um, I like that was a disappointment to me. I was I not to skip to the end at this point, but that scene in particular really made me mad because I was like, oh, man, are they going to give us a Tower of Doom stunner, which would have been the fucking coolest thing? And that's not what ended up happening. No, it wasn't. Like, I guess I was just like, whatever, man. It was fine. Yeah, it was I, like a spot you remember. Like, what was like, like what? I mean, I liked him on top of the pile of ladders, but he kind of was like pushed Shane up. It was very uh, nothing. There was no big memorable part of this for me. Uh, I think that that um, Austin throwing Shane repeatedly into the ladders, taking out the um, the support for the big structure that eventually comes down. I thought that was cool. Uh, see, I, th- I call that ladder Jenga. It looked cheap. I feel like the way they were stacked, it like you could tell it didn't land on them the right way, and all those ladders look like they weigh like truly nothing. They also looked like they were bolted together. Yeah, like just, it fell weird. That's what I mean. Like it, I, I didn't get the and the carnage wasn't violent enough for my bloodlust. I guess, like the, uh, but it just wasn't like creative enough or whatever, and, and it didn't seem like damning or impressive enough for me. Um, I liked when Austin and um, Austin and Vince were on the ladder, and Shane knocked the ladder over, sacrificing his father to to keep the match going. That there was were, good in commentary, put that over well, I thought. There was enough going on in this match that it kept my interest through the whole thing, and there's definitely been a few main events that I can't say that for, so I, I'm happy for what it was. I think I think in general, I just thought it was like it was silliness, but like I was like kind of okay with it and sort of on board with the silliness. Mm-hmm. Like there were, you know, like why would there be a chain attached to one of the ladders? That makes no sense. <laughs> but like I'm okay with it. Uh, I also thought that maybe this was going to be the premiere of uh, Austin's older bullying brother because I thought maybe he was the one who was <laughs> operating the chain that held the briefcase and just kept going, nope, nope. <laughs> like, like I can imagine uh, Austin trying to get into the Coors truck and like his brother's at the wheel and just keeps driving ahead just a little bit and just like, come on, get in. Nope, nope, and just like keeps driving five feet ahead. It's weird that they never showed who was operating it, and I don't remember if there's any payoff for that. There is not. Okay. <laughs> there is famously no payoff for this. Cool. <laughs> and I think maybe maybe knowing that also made me like I roll. I get what you guys are saying. The match and the match definitely was like I guess, and this is a word I'm overusing a lot lately. Zippy. Uh, hmm. 
it it just like it it it, it didn't I didn't uh, lose interest, but there was nothing memorable from it or nothing special I thought about it. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. Second hour of Raw, man. This whole show felt like this, like the middle, like the middle chunk of Raw that was all kind of like inconsequential, and not super great. But not bad. But I, I mean, I, I'll watch uh, Andrade and Angel Garza versus the Viking Raiders another time. Sure, why not? You know, that's that's what it felt like to me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I, I I really came into this expecting it to be a fucking terrible match. Like, I'm just never. I'm not that excited for. You know, for Shane, for for Vince McMahon wrestling, I'm not. I'm never going to be excited for him main eventing. Um, but I was like, fine with it. You know, it was like, I mean, it's it's really ridiculous. By the way, it points to the ridiculousness of Taker versus The Rock that they spend so much time outside of the ring and they very clearly do not go anywhere near the ladder structure. They're like, I'm gonna, I don't care where I throw you, I'll throw you right into this gate. This is very far away from where the ladders are. I will make sure not to touch those ladders. That's for another match. It's like it's like having sex in the kitchen where like you're like, let me just carefully pull all this stuff off the kitchen table and just set it on the side. And now I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to plow you. Does Talia know you're talking about her? <laughs> like we have a kitchen table. Come on. <laughs> it's a galley kitchen. God damn it. Well, I guess we'll... But that—that that is actually how I would do it. I would never break anything. It's a—it's our house. What do I want to clean up broken glass after I have sex? No. And on that note, for years WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call "For Your Reconsideration." I'll take it. Um, I'm going to give the and all I got was this shirt award to the guy in the front row who was so proud of his property of Alcatraz t-shirt that he was grabbing the bottom of it and showing it to Paul Bearer. <laughs> Look out for him, man. He's dangerous. Like, multiple times throughout, the, you just see him at the bottom of his shirt holding it up, showing off proudly that this, this, t- this novelty t-shirt that he got from his trip to San Francisco. Cool, dude. <laughs> I and I okay. it'd be funny if Paul Bear was like, you know, I spent time there. This shit isn't funny. <laughs> I uh I want to give a slammy to Road Dog for good sportsmanship. Uh and then I realized that this might be our first ever participation slammy. Ha. <laughs> 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 or you get one for losing. Uh to the Road Dog for 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 taking for being a good sport with his with his best friend X-Pac. I mean X-Pac. <laughs> You know what? That ruins our generation. Yeah. These generations with their participation. These degenerations. Uh, slammies. <laughs> These degenerations. <laughs> uh, so my slammy is the who you gonna call slammy? Uh, because uh, at some point, like like early on, I kind of didn't register it, but at some point later on, I was like looking at the at the ladder lattice, and I was just like, it reminded me of uh, of the part in ghostbusters where like they go to the library and they talk about the symmetrical stacking and like <laughs> how it, it it's uh they haven't seen that since the philadelphia the philadelphia mass turbulence of 1947 and i was like oh my god the ghostbusters need to go to home depot 
no human. There's a no. There's a ghost that's on its cell phone by the bandsaw, not listening to any any customers. No human would stack ladders like this. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree. Want to spear us from the top rope? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at hellinacellpod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again soon for Fully Loaded 1999. Review us. We never, we haven't gotten a review yeah. in like months. I know you. I know there's a pandemic, but like honestly, it's all accessible. You got the time. I screwed Bret Hart.